And happy Sunday. It is 1400 on the East Coast. It's something else on the other coast. And this is PFG Live. Good day and good morning and good afternoon. So happy new year, everyone. It's a brand new year. It's the year of our copper tainted aluminum 2024. Also my favorite aluminum. And I want to just say uh, happy new year. I hope everybody is healthy and ready to crush this. Uh, let's see. Joel L says happy new year. CJ Stevens says hello, and it's 46 and wet in East Tennessee. Nice to see you earlier on the Discord server, sir. Joel is reporting 48 and drizzly in Chandler, Arizona. You're not going to be melting any PLA there. Uh, Oscar, welcome, Oscar. Minus what? Minus 25C? I'm not sure that's exactly accurate. And snowy in southern Finland. I bet you it's cold, though. Carl is here. Happy New Year. 33 degrees Fahrenheit and barely snowing in the People's Republic of Rhode Island. Approximately one inch accumulation in our first nor'easter of the year. So, Carl, we're actually approaching 12 inches. Uh, we'll we'll give a live uh, a live video later. Greenwood AG reports 26 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, 20 to 25 miles an hour, with blowing and drifting snow. We also have from Brooklyn, New York, Unix Carbide reporting 37 degrees Fahrenheit, sun and breaking clouds. And we have a report from the White Plains Airport, courtesy of DBX, who reports at White Plains as of 1756, Zulu, Windsor 310 at 12 knots, visibility 1 mile. Runway 16 is reporting between 4,000 and 5,500 feet of runway visual range. Light snow, mist, overcast 800, temperature 01, dew point minus 01, altimeter 29 or 57. I've still got it. And he says about seven inches of snow. Uh, let's see. And Carl says he's been following the snowometer. Yeah, so uh, overnight during the peak of the storm, I did have live video of the snowometer. For the, This is the first time ever on our discord server. So that was kind of fun. Uh, and we'll be taking a look at the snowometer here in a couple of minutes. Uh, so welcome aboard. It's 2024. PFG live is still here. We did not abandon you. Um, uh, having a good time for the first time ever, a snowstorm has delayed the shipment of three orders of PFG stones, which reminds me, this is brought to you by pfgstones.com who says you should be flat because that's where it's at. Uh, let's see. So that's the story. So we have some fun uh, to talk about today. We might have a, uh, a guest if, if he's in the right place at the right time. He, and you know who I'm talking about. Uh, let's see. We had uh, one of the one of the folks on one of the other Discord servers, the uh, Insta Machinist Discord server, was asking about uh, dressing and truing diamond grinding wheels. And my name came up, so I got the notification. And so we may talk about that a little bit um, in addition to the other stuff. Uh, earlier today, I was uh, getting our technical stuff set up for the podcast and I noted that I was actually starting to detect a little teeny bit of echo from the room thanks to my magnificent Sennheiser uh, headphones courtesy of uh, DBX uh, made the recommendation and they are in fact the best thing ever so um, I I am going to start looking at a little bit of uh, sound deadening here in the office uh, right about five feet from my head is a corner reflector, right? It's the corner of a, of a ceiling. And <laughs> with all my work in antennas, I look at that corner reflector and it gives me the heebie-jeebies. So I think I figured out that that is a major source of, uh, of minor echo. So we're probably going to stuff a piece of foam up there and see what happens. Um, the way to think about electromagnetic waves and sound waves 
is is super easy. Um, sound in air, sound pressure waves in air travels about a foot per millisecond. Okay, one foot per millisecond, and <laughs> and uh, electromagnetic waves travel. Of course, they're they're electric and magnetic uh, fields. They travel about one foot per nanosecond. That's a billionth. A millisecond is a thousandth. So really the wavelengths of speech is very similar to the wavelengths of 900 megahertz RF. Carl Tauber says, so you're going to stealth the office? Yes. Yes, I am. We're going to have a stealth office. I'm going to get a visit from the uh, uh, Air Force uh, Department of Security. So, uh, we'll have a little fun with that. You see, sometimes you'll see these, uh, YouTubers and, uh, podcasters, they have foam hanging on their walls and if properly used, it's a good thing. But, um, if just plastering, you know, little, little squares of foam every now and then it's not going to do a heck of a lot, but that corner reflector, that's kind of bugging me. It's like having a coolant drip you know, out of your coolant tank. That's, that's what it's bugging me like. So welcome to the guys on Instagram live who are watching, uh, DFM tool works is over there. <laughs> DBX is everywhere. Uh, and uh, a couple other guys just checked in. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, uh, do, uh, do it with, uh, all channels. So we also have a discord server. If you're interested in joining, uh, go over to pfg.gg slash links and you'll see an invite link to our Discord server, and you can join in there. Uh, Wes is on on Instagram. Now you're going to confuse me, Wes. Welcome aboard. Um, this week, you know, we had the ho- we had the uh, the time off. I took time off. We took, had the holiday from the PFG Live. We had, um, uh, you know, total shutdown, total relaxation for for the duration between, uh, just before Christmas to just, just after new year's, but I had to grind stones. So I was, I was in the shop and I was grinding stones and I sort of had an epiphany. It was something that I've been thinking about for quite a while. And that was in some of my processes, I'm going to generalize this because it, it applies to everything. Rob Armada. Hi, Rob. Hey, if anybody needs a good PT and you're in the Southern uh, New Hampshire area, you I'll send you to Rob. Rob is the guy that keeps me uh, bolted together. Nice to see you, bud. Um, in all of our machining processes where we use CNC machines, we talk about um, we talk about cycle time, right? What is the cycle time? Uh, you go to hit the green button. From the time you hit the green button to the time you unload the part, that's your cycle time. And we, we aim for, um, you know, fast cycle times. We want to make it as efficient as possible. So I want to talk about how to think, how to think about that. Cause this is what happened to me last week when the phone wasn't ringing. I got to consider this. Um, Oh, Carl says, be careful the type of foam you choose for sound suppression. The cheap stuff creates toxic fumes in a fire. Excellent point. Um, that also, by the way, Carl, that's also true for, uh, RF absorptive foam. And I'm familiar with that. Wes says it's snowing in South central Idaho, dude, it's snowing everywhere. Um, we'll show you in a minute. It's snowing right here. It's coming down really good right now, actually. Pretty impressive. So um, I own some of, uh, I have a project that I'm working on very slowly with the Pearson pallets. And we use pallets to make sure we can efficiently load up many pieces for a cycle time. And and so we, we tend to want to get as many things machined. So here's the here's the concept that I came up with is that, and I do this with a lot of things. If you want to try to understand how a behavior works in any system, uh, you do a reduction to the ridiculous. So if my cycle time was five seconds, right? So I hit the green button five seconds later, I take the thing out. 
that's one extreme of the of the uh, continuum. If I hit the button and a week's worth of work starts and I don't have to unload the machine for a week, that's sort of the other end of the spectrum, right? And we all know examples that are like both of those things. Here's the here's what you got to think about. In order to make that I'm going to push the button and not have to pay any attention to it for a week, it's going to cost you money and real estate, which is money. <laughs> and I'm going to get a kern. I'm going to get Eroa pallets. I'm going to get a robotic tool changer. I'm going to have robots load and unload the machine so that I can get my cycle time, my, my attention time on the machine up to a week. All right. Or I'm going to hit the button and it's so efficient that my part is done in 10 seconds. Well, why is that different than standing there at a drill press and doing it manually? Well, the difference is you could do something more complicated or more accurate or more powerful by using the machine, but really the operator, the human has to be there. So the question is how long, yeah, the West says the CNC is a robot. Absolutely true. Um, but should we turn humans into robots? If you have to stand there during the cycle, you, you have not been freed up. Okay. And if you paid $2 million for your infrastructure so that you don't have to touch it for a week, you don't have $2 million anymore. Sometimes it's worth it. And, and in a big operation, big stuff, I, I can see that working. So again, reduction to the ridiculous, this just gives, this frames the problem. <clears throat> so getting back to what happened to me last week, when I grind, uh, we'll just use an example, uh, six inch stones, I grind four faces at a time because I have a big chuck. I designed my own work holding and I'm able to do that. So now I go to do the, the sides of the stone, right? We flip it up in another piece of work holding and I'm going to grind the sides. Well, I had been doing it, um, only two up and that had an 18, <laughs> that had an 18 minute. Is that, is that right? I, I, I don't know if I'm quite, let's call it 20 minutes. It had a 20 minute cycle time. Well, a 20 minute cycle time, you don't, you don't have enough time to go do something. So you're, you're, you can go clean another machine or sweep up the floor, but you have to be right back. And, uh, or even worse, if it was even less, it was smaller cycle time, you can't do anything else. But when I have the four faces I'm grinding, it's an hour and change. And I am literally able to go operate another machine, do another project, do something else. And the human is made more efficient with the one hour cycle time. So what I did last week is I came up with some new work holding and new procedures to get my cycle time for the sides of the stones up to about an hour. And now I was freed up to go do some things and my efficiency, the combination of me plus machines in the shop shot up hugely. Um, <laughs> so it got me thinking about what is the, what's the ideal, what's the perfect cycle time. And if, if I say one hour, as an example, it's just, you pick a number, right? And then later you find out if that number should be higher or lower. So I shoot for an hour cycle time between when I hit the green button and when I have to come back to that machine. And that, that's a pretty cool way to think because I have time to literally have another process going that will mesh nicely. And I'm, my efficiency goes through the roof when I have to sit there and I only have about a 15 minute cycle time. It's not really enough. Um, because 
it's harder to mesh the processes. So I, I'm curious what you guys do who run CNC machines and how you think about cycle time, because it is, it is incorrect to say, I'm going to work toward a short cycle time, or I'm going to work toward a long cycle time in the absence of other requirements. Um, I keep thinking of my friend, uh, uh, John Grimsmo and, and happy, happy customer of PFG stones. Um, and he's got that, that Kern and he's able to load it, load it up and run it and go, you know, go home and it's going to run overnight and it's going to run through the next day. And I think his, I, I can't quite remember his record. Maybe some, somebody can tell me what his record is, but his record is, is like 40 hours of continuous running, which is pretty amazing. Now, the other side of that coin is the tool he has allows him to load and unload stuff asynchronously with the cycle time. Yeah, Carl Carl is, is starting to um, encapsulate it. He says, ideal cycle time depends on what else you're doing at the same time. Absolutely. And I was running a lathe project. I know, I said the L word. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was running a lathe project and I was literally able to get a project done. <laughs> Hang on, I'm I'm being interrupted here. I've got a cookie delivery. Oh, thank you, Jared. There you go. Oh, look, looky. A little bit overdone. That's my guy. Um, what kind of show is this? This is our kind of show. You could stay or you could go. Sorry, I had a <laughs> I had to switch languages, guys, just for a second. Hey, uh, Unix. Unix, are you able to to join us today if I put you live and we'll talk about your trip? Would you be open to that? Would you would you be okay with that? You were muted, but you're not muted now. <laughs> That's okay. Okay. It'll be in a few minutes. I want to wrap when I wrap this topic up. Okay. All right. So, okay. So stand by. So thank you to Jared, my son, for bringing me a cookie, actually two cookies. That's pretty nice. What kind of show is this? That's a good question. So, um, I was running this lathe job that took me about an hour. I think end to end, it took me about an hour and a quarter to do these brass parts for a friend of mine. And because my grinder cycle time was up at an hour, it was very comfortable to go and and put some brain cycles and run the lathe and get these parts made. Whereas when my cycle time on the grinder was 18 minutes, it was not comfortable doing that. It was hard. So anyway, that's a story. I, so I would say, you know, think about, you know, cycle times if you have a CNC machine. <laughs> Joey Bag of Donuts. That was Joey Bag of Donuts from down south, downtown, uptown, down or uptown. Anyway, uh, by the way, if you're on Instagram and you're wondering what the hell's going on, uh, we decided to tuck you guys in for simultaneous uh, transmission of the PFG Live, which is happening on YouTube Live right now. Don't expect treats like this every day. This is a special to uh, ring in the new year. And not everybody can have uh, Jared's cookies, but, you know, very, very yummy. So let me show you, um, let me show you what's going on outside here because it's worth looking at. There is the snowometer, the famous snowometer, and we are coming up on, uh, we're over 12 inches now, and it is coming down pretty ferociously. I can't give you a very accurate measurement because I have to go, um, look out the window and, and, and read the, uh, read the yardstick. And we're actually starting to lose our calibration because the snow is starting to get higher than the camera. But if you're joining us on video and not audio, uh, you will see that we are getting very close to, um, the top of that blue mark that you're seeing there is 14 inches. So we're probably around 13 inches right now. 
And we'll again, we'll get a, a more accurate number later. But there it is. I think this is the first time ever that the snowometer has been live on the internet. Usually we just take a picture of it, give you a report. And currently in uh, Windham, New Hampshire, the temperature is 25 Fahrenheit. And the relative humidity is 90%. Winds are uh, 13 miles an hour out of the uh, north. And uh, it is snowing like crazy. And I'll give you, I'll give you the local airport, which I failed to do before. This is Manchester Airport reporting at uh, 1905 Zulu. Winds are 350 at 12 knots. Visibility one quarter mile. Runway 35 is reporting a runway visual range of between 2,800 and 4,000 feet. Heavy snow, freezing fog, vertical visibility 900 feet. Temperature minus 4, dew point minus 6, altimeter 2,963. That's the coolest report we've had on the PFG Live so far. Uh, freezing fog, heavy snow. K-Box says it's 42 and mostly clear in, in the Philadelphia. He's running his resin printer. He's tallow rendering. He's FDM printing. And he's having lunch with someone or somewhere. Carl says you need a cathetometer to combat parallax on the snowometer. Greenwood says you need a little of our Idaho wind and you wouldn't leave the house until the wind subsides. I'm not leaving the house. Don't worry, buddy. I'm not going anywhere. So uh, that's the uh, current. Oh, and there's a remark on the, on the Manchester weather. There's actually a remark that says tower, something about tower visibility, but I can't read it. I'll have to go back and uh, follow up on that for you guys later. I cut it off. So that's the report from the snowometer. We'll, we'll check on it a little later and, uh, and see how we're doing, but this is pretty exciting. Uh, we hadn't had snow all season and now we're getting it all at once. It is, uh, it's really beautiful out. Uh, you guys on Instagram. Oh, uh, machine, machine shop 10 double E is joining us on Instagram. Welcome, sir. He's down South. Give me a, give me a weather report from Cambridge, uh, Somerville, Medford. <laughs> I want to know what's going on down there. Tuck's Garage. Look who decided to show up. Tuck reports 32 degrees and cloudy in Buffalo, New York. Only two inches of snow on the ground. So we traded places, Tuck. We're getting all your snow. And it's getting uh, it's getting pretty serious here. So we'll keep you posted. <laughs> he says you can have it. Machine Shop 10 E on Instagram reports uh, lots of snow coming down in the shop today. Oh, you're in Cambridge getting ready for 2670. Go, man, go. So if you didn't know, the Machine Shop 10 E is, uh, is a very important person down at MIT. He runs the machine shop for the Mechanical Engineering Lab. And uh, 2670 is a mechanical engineering course that I don't know the exact title to. But at MIT, we don't care. We just need the numbers. So 2670. Um, let's see. Let's see. It's uh, how about uh, two minutes, two minute warning, Unix. Uh, and we'll, we're going to go live with you. So why don't you come up on video and get ready to tell your story? So, my good friend, um, let, me, let me set this up for you. Uh, my good friend, uh, Unix Carbide, uh, headed off to Japan for family business over the holidays, had a wonderful time. Um, oh, by the way, if, sorry, I, I got distracted here. The guys on Instagram who are continually sending me requests to be part of my live, you might as well take a hike. It's not going to happen, <laughs> but I appreciate your offer. Um, okay. It looks like Unix is coming up. So, uh, Unix, headed off to Japan and we have another member of our community whose name is Baka fish. Uh, and he and I did a little horse trading. So, well, even before the horse trading, I said to Unix, I said, you got to go visit Baka fish cause he's a tool head like the rest of us. And, um, so I, those guys made arrangements to go visit 
when he was over there. Then subsequently, Bakafish says, I've got these tools you need. And he has a beautiful boring head of Japanese manufacturer. And he had a Nikon autocollimator, which I started salivating over. So we made a little deal. And the deal was, I'll make you some PFG stones to your request. And you, you know, I'll get those. And we'll say, we'll figure out how to do it later. Well, now Unix heads over to Japan. And without prompting, Unix says, how about I bring them back for you? And I said, oh my gosh. So that's the prelude to our story. And now let me bring in uh, Unix Carbide, who will tell us the rest of the story. Unix Carbide, how are you? Uh, hang on, your audio, stand by, stand by. We have a, a technical difficulty. Your audio is not working yet. Hold on. Folks, we do it live here, so sometimes this happens. Okay, I think your audio is good uh, now. You got audio now? I got audio now. Welcome All aboard, right. sir. Good. Hey, um, hey, good to see you again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's an antenna we wanted to ask you about inside oh, yeah. of this boom box. It's very small. We'll, okay. we'll, we'll put that in the antenna chat. When, yeah, when that happens, we'll get, we'll get to it. Okay. Arena. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. And if you come visit me, I will... I will teach you all about antennas. I promise. I you got it. The um, yeah. So the trip. Where do you want me to pick up? So I met Bakafish. I was like, "Hey, stranger, cool. I'm carrying uh, precision instruments from America. How, how are you doing?" Uh, and uh, we were going to get some ramen, but ramen places. He kind of was smarter about this and, and was like, "Yeah, you know, ramen places are kind of eat it and beat it, and we want to like talk and share stuff." I got a place. So there's a there's a there's a, a bar in his neighborhood. Getting me live on a Sunday too here. Yeah, the, right. um, uh, so a bar near him that uh, or a brewery, and we could sit there for a while. It was great, and uh, we pulled pulled out all the gear, and it was basically like a, you know it was basically like this is what I assume like North Korea's uh, nuclear program is like. Like his dude sitting in a bar, like swapping uh, precision instruments, you know, <laughs> eating noodles and stuff. Because it was kind of that that scene, you know. And uh, it was a very, very, very pleasant time. Very pleasant guy. Uh, very cool to meet another fellow one of us. Uh, and uh, boy. Bring, you can bring that if you're building. Oh, okay. We're gonna we're building a Lego hospital today. That's the oh, big. Oh, you know. There's a lot of excitement in the house right now. A lot. I, I, um, I hear you. Yeah. The. So yeah, uh, you're gonna have to give me just a minute. So we exchanged goods. We hung out. We went to another place. Met up with his wife. Hung out for a while more. Talked forever. It was great. Totally delightful. Awesome. Um, the other thing is, is hold on. Stop. 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 But you're burying. You're also burying the lead. What's the lead? You 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 were the mule, and you did such a fantastic oh, yeah. I got job. The auto collimator and the boring head, um, and I got a few goodies given to me for the for for what Bakafish thought was my trouble. I'm doing this for entertainment, right? This is all about international laws. This is not about anything else. Uh, shh, 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 shh. And. Hey, and, and. Folks, so, if, if you don't have kids. Yeah, you if you should. don't have a five-year-old, you don't know what you're missing. The, uh, the, uh, anybody have a five-year-old CNC machine? I bet it, it's about the same. It's all, the, about, uh, cy it's all about cycle time, you know. We were talking time. about that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, um, all right, so yeah, uh, I came out of there with a boring head, uh, which he had the bartender pose with, which was awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, the, the auto collimator and the auto collimator, right? Yeah. And then, hey, hey, you're going to have to give me a minute. Or else we're going to put the Lego. We're going to put the Lego away. I need just a minute. We have technical difficulties. We'll be right back joining our guest in Brooklyn, New York. Please stand by. Please stand by. <laughs> Folks, we do it live here. This is the real so, thing. Okay. So, 
uh, finale to the story. On the way home, there's another side story where talking to my my family, they were like, you know, uh, there's there's extreme uh, rules about like exporting precision instruments from Japan, right? And I was like, get out of here. It's fine. It's no big deal. What's the, what do you mean? What it's, do you not mean? That, it's not that precision. Like, well, you know, like, what are you actually taking home? And I explained it to them. And they're like, yeah, that sounds, you know, a little bit uh, precise. And I was like, well, let's just see how this goes. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. It's fine. <laughs> no. it's fine. Nobody cares. Um, one interesting thing about Japan. Uh, so when you're there, uh, the... Uh, apparently on Mercari and Yahoo auctions and all that kind of thing. So Japanese industrial uh, manufacturing, like there's not a scene like this in Japan. There's not a... There's so much trouble, you don't even know. The... The... So much trouble. Yes. Please stand by while we sort out our technical difficulties. We'll be right back with Unix Carbide. All right, so the, the gist is about uh, industrial manufacturing in Japan. There's not really a scene like what you have going here mm -hmm. um, because the machinists in Japan, I mean, it's a country that really thrives on wood, just for starters. Let's just start there. Um, second... The industrial machining there is so high level and so high grade. Okay, okay, okay. I'll come watch you from the couch. That'll do it. In just a minute, you'll get help. So, come here. Come here. You'll get help in just a second. Hey, uh, I'm going to take a second here to tell the yeah, guys on Instagram because you can't hear this uh, audio. Uh, I apologize. You can either hang in here or we'll just terminate the Instagram feed. You tell me what you want. But uh, if you head over to YouTube right now and you head over to our uh, YouTube channel, which is either KPNH, you can search on that, or Kinetic Precision New Hampshire, um, K Kinetic Precision NH, you'll find the live stream and you'll hear this story. I, there's nothing I could do to make it happen for Instagram. So just either hang in there or or come join us on the, on the YouTube Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ike. All right. So I'm going to finish this real fast. The um, the gist is is that most of the in most of the machining and industrial manufacturing, from what Bakafish was explaining to me, is basically so high level, so so like so hardcore that everything is certified and everything's about uh, chain of custody for all of the components and gear, everything, mm. and. Mm. It really boils down to when something comes and is out of tolerance for a customer, you know, they want to, somebody wants a full report. Don't go back to the table. Okay. They want a full report on the chain of custody of, you know, was this, you know, where's your papers on this tool and what failed and what went wrong and all that kind of stuff. Pretty hard, pretty hardcore. And uh, Japan's a very formal culture. So all these formalities matter. So a perfectly awesome but used boring head from 1962 is worth absolutely zero dollars in Japan. Right? Interesting. That's basically the outcome. So being able to find all this gear used when you can find it means that somebody's cleaning out a closed down facility or something. And there's basically mountains and mountains of gear over there that's just dirt cheap. You know, um, my fav one of my favorites is a real simple thing. I prefer the Mitotoyo uh, digital, not digital like computer, digits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I prefer those little digits uh, ca uh, 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 micrometers because, I, hey, I'm an amateur, man, and I screw up a lot, um, period. Um, they're, really, they're really sweet. And they had those things in Mericari. I was looking at what were equivalent, like $4, $5. Right and four or five dollars photograph. What would be the equivalent of five dollars? Those were some of the cheap ones I found, and they looked not that dirty, better than <laughs> things I've actually really wanted from an eBay and received in worse condition. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's a pretty cool thing. All right, 
that was a that's a that's a tip that's a tidbit about uh, Japan that I thought was cool. And and you you brought this stuff back, you packed it and and hauled it, and that's awesome. So here's the rest of the story. How many? Oh yeah. K Bonk says, "How many can you get?" Um, so the rest of the story is that Ike is coming north to New Hampshire in a few weeks or thereabouts um, when we figure it out, and we're going to do some grinding uh, together on the. Uh, you have a uh, a straight edge, right? That we're going to be grinding in. Yeah, this is a this is a Foster straight edge. It's not a Camelback style. It's a triangle wedge. Yes, with a with a uh, a line on the top designed to be uh, used as a parallel uh, to the bottom face. So this is a tricky tricky thing. But currently, yeah. it's not a straight edge. It's a banana. It's a banana. So we're gonna. Yeah. So so Ike is coming up. He's gonna deliver the goodies. We're gonna unbananify his uh, triangular prism straight edge. And um, go get some sushi. No, we won't. I don't know. You might be sushied out. We'll have to go for barbecue. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a little sushied out after New Year's in Tokyo. Yeah, little, little, <laughs> but I, yeah I could. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cheerios. Right. Cheerios is my favorite awesome. thing this, this week. We'll get you Cheerios. All right, sorry buddy. for all the background noise. I'm going to give more attention back to the kid yeah, who I promised yeah. you. Fa- family's the best. Take care, bud. Rock out. Thanks for what being of- here. Whoops. Hang on. Say it again. Oh, I so said, what kind of show is this? It's that kind of show. Nah, know. what, who knows? Your I don't know. Walking kind of in, giving you cookies. My kid's walking in, throwing cookies at me. It's, it's family it. time. All right. Take care. All right. We did it. So, um, and by the way, I, so there is no, um, in this scene, there is no discord audio. So you guys actually are okay talking amongst yourselves. So that's the story, uh, from Japan. A lot of fun. If you looked at the, um, uh, the thumbnail for this video that now explains, I just put it on the screen that now explains the origin of that picture is, uh, my auto collimator being held by the, uh, the bartender and, uh, please do not read any more into that. Okay. So, uh, welcome back to the States Unix carbide and we're looking forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks. So, um, let's see. I think we, we raised the topic and then dropped the topic. So, so, uh, the topic of dressing and truing the diamond wheels. So the topic was resin bonded diamond wheels. And how do you, you know, do I need to go buy one of those brake control truing devices? Um, and <laughs> K Bong finally understood what that photo is about. Uh, so the way to think about this is if you're gonna if you're gonna run a resin bond diamond wheel on your surface grinder, of course the first thing you're gonna do is mount it up. Okay. Now Robin Renzetti taught me a trick and showed a video on it, which was to make to replace the nut. The, the, the regular nut on the hub or the adapter of, uh, of a diamond wheel uh, or a, a grinder grinder adapter, grinder hub, with one that you put set screws in so that when you tighten it, the force is directly into the hub as opposed to twisting the nut to tighten it, which can, which can throw it off. Um, so that's a good thing to do. See, see previous videos. The second thing is you need to a way to true it and then a way to dress it. And those are two different things. So truing is changing the shape of the wheel to be circular and concentric with the spindle. Dressing it means getting the surface, getting the diamonds ready to cut. So to true it, yes, in the past, and currently, people use these brake controlled truing devices with an aluminum, a little aluminum oxide wheel. And you would bring you would bring the grinder grinding wheel down in contact with that wheel and run it back and forth. And essentially, what it does is it it's going to knock out of true diamonds out of the matrix, out of the resin, and it's going to therefore true up the surface of the diamonds that are doing the work. But 
the reason it is able to do that is because you've slowed down the relative speed between the aluminum oxide wheel and the diamond wheel. So here's the example that I use is if, if you had a baseball bat and I had a, uh, 50, a 0 0.500 inch musket ball and I threw it at your, threw it at you and you could take that baseball bat and you could knock that little musket ball out of the park, right? No problem. But if I took that musket ball and I propelled it with expansive gases from a uh, chemical reaction that you otherwise initiate and shot it down a barrel at your baseball bat, it's going to go through your baseball bat. So because diamonds are so hard, you have to use a, a situation that's analogous to the first condition. You have to slow down and knock the diamonds out. Because if you're going very fast, the diamond is just going to cut through your aluminum oxide happily. So that's the purpose of the truing device. The reason, now here's the, you got to ask yourself, well, why does, why do these truing devices exist? Because in the old days, now I could use the phrase in the old days, you didn't have VFDs to slow the wheel down. You didn't have control over the wheel speed. It ran at 3,600 RPM. Have a nice day. So the brake control truing device allowed you to get that slow speed. Well, today you can slow the wheel down and use other techniques. So yes, you can still use the brake control truing device. Yes, you could still use an, a little aluminum oxide wheel. Uh, that technique is still used on the big CNC grinders. They have a separate head come in with a spinning aluminum oxide wheel and everything synchronized and it does its thing. Or you can go back to the 1979 patent by Kish, K-I-S-H, look it up, and use molybdenum, slow your wheel down to seven between 700 and 1,200 surface feet per minute, not RPM. Um, I think that's the numbers. Look it up in the patent and use molybdenum, which does the same job. In fact... The molybdenum, Kish stated in the patent that it was, it was the most efficient way to, to do the truing. So I use molybdenum and I slow my wheel down and I forget my RPM, but it, it, it matches the Kish patent, which I've previously referenced. And it might, I might have a link in my links page for that patent. Greenwood asks, how aggressively should you feed your diamond wheel into the brake control dresser to get maximum diamond removal to true the diamond wheel? So that's a really good question. Um, I don't remember the rule of thumb. I use two thousandths of an inch uh, and I use... <laughs> Instagram has a feature where if you hold up a certain hand signal, it will superimpose that on, on your... Uh, on your video there see um so i use two thousandths of an inch and i think i use 150 grit as the reference but the answer is i'm not sure so you, you that might need a little research but two thousandths of an inch is in the neighborhood of correct um yeah also you got to treat the the little the little aluminum oxide wheel is a is a consumable. You're gonna you're gonna go through those. You are going to go through those, and it is a very slow process. You're not you're not peeling off a lot of material from your diamond wheel. Your diamond wheel is mostly winning, so that's the other thing you have to be aware of. This is not going to happen quickly. Okay, so let's let's recap. You got it. You have a diamond wheel. You're mounting it to a hub. You're going to tap it into concentricity if you have any play at all to start with. Then you're going to true it with whatever device you're using. Molybdenum, brake control truing device, or as some people talk about, mild steel. You could take a piece of, of flat mild steel and grind it with your diamond wheel and that will also pretty inefficiently, but it will rip diamonds out because it's steel, and I'll explain that in a second, and also true the wheel. So there's three, I, I've given you three different methods, okay, for truing. 
um, see a earlier video by um, Solid Rock Machining, who who teaches the steel method, and others have have taught the steel method. So that's the cheapest one of all, of all the methods. You need a piece of steel, so that's pretty cheap. But it is also the least efficient of all the methods. So you very slowly get your truing done, and you could you could observe the marks in the steel that tell you if you're getting if your your wheel is getting trued. Um, once you do that, you now have a true wheel, and you have diamonds that are level, but they're generally also now going to be level with the the resin of your resin wheel, and now you have to remove some resin to allow the diamonds to poke out of the resin. That process is called dressing. You're now preparing the wheel to cut. You're not changing its shape. Now, again, diamond, uh, resin bonded diamond wheel, you're going to get out your sticks. Um, <laughs> Greenwood asks a really good question. He says, do plated wheels need to be trued? My experience is only with resin bonded. The answer is yes far less frequently because they're tougher and far more of a pain in the neck because they're tougher. So I do uh, run molybdenum on my metal bond diamond wheels. Um, and again, you don't do it very often. You do it, you, you do it slowly. Okay. So the answer is yes. Oscar says, Alfred Lyon, uh, which is, uh, what's the name of his channel? give me the name of his channel, has a great video on truing diamond wheels with a brake dresser. Excellent. Look that up. It's AB Tools. That's it. AB Tools. And he's a great guy and, and uh, that's worth watching. Um, so you get out your sticks. You now have your white aluminum oxide dressing sticks. They're sold specifically for this purpose. You soak it with coolant and you jam it into the wheel. <laughs> And that will remove resin from around the diamonds, okay, and let them poke up. And now you have a, uh, your wheel is, when you're done with that, your wheel is ready to cut. Um, see a YouTube video from Norton that taught how to do this. It says something about truing in the title. And uh, they say in that video, that you need to use about three quarters of a stick to get the job done. So if you think you're going to, it's not like going to the wheel and going zip, 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 and I'm done. It's no, you're, you're feeding and feeding and feeding, and you're going to eat up three quarters of one of these sticks. Now you're done. And you could actually feel the wheel and you can tell when, uh, when you've done a good job. And, and you can start learning the differences. If you feel the wheel, this is a stationary wheel, folks, an unmoving wheel. If you feel the wheel before you start this dressing process and then you start dressing, okay, and then you turn it off again and then you feel the wheel, you will feel the difference. It's pretty amazing. So that's the, that's the process of dressing. Now, when I grind PFG stones, this may come as a shock to you, but I'm grinding aluminum oxide stones. <laughs> so I kind of auto dress, but if you're about to go dress, um, carbide or a ceramic or something else, the dressing process is necessary to condition the wheel into being ready to cut. Okay. I hope that helps. Uh, K Bonk says, been wondering if dressing my DMT diamond flats is, or would be helpful. Uh, I also use the DMT flats, by the way, and the answer is no. <laughs> they don't have enough diamonds, first of all. Uh, it's a very thin layer. So for those of you that don't know, if you go look up a DMT diamond, uh, they sell all sorts of cool stuff, but they sell these big uh, flats for, uh, you. the woodworkers use them for, uh, for truing their their stones that they sharpen their chisels on, you know, cause they get dished quite easily. Uh, you could use them actually for grind, for uh, sharpening a knife because you're going very slowly, uh, etc. 
And I use them in the shop for de, uh, dehorning the PFG stones, for taking the sharp corners off the PFG stones, because otherwise uh, they would they would literally cut you. So I, I, I kiss those on a DMT stone. But they do not have a lot of uh, diamonds in reserve. Um, and I think, you, you, I wouldn't. I never thought that would be valuable. Um, yes, so Oscar says, I can't remember who it was, but I once saw somebody truing a diamond wheel on a wire EDM. There is a process like that. I have no knowledge of it. I believe that has to be a metal bond diamond wheel. So if you have a metal bond diamond wheel, EDM makes sense, right? Because it has to be conductive. And you can true the wheel that way. You haven't dressed the wheel, you've trued it. And I think the big fancy million dollar grinders um, will, will do it that way. There are options to do that. Excellent point. So the, uh, the reason I wanted to point one thing out, which is why does the piece of steel work? Because the piece of steel works because the diamonds are made out of carbon. Diamonds are carbon. In fact, the full um, chemical formula for what diamonds are made out of is carbon. <laughs> That's it. So steel really likes carbon. In fact, you make steel by taking iron and adding, amongst other things, a little pinch of, of uh, carbon. So carbon dissolves into steel very nicely at high temperatures. Well, if you're running a diamond wheel at normal cutting speeds and you run it into steel, you have your high temperatures and the steel says, oh, dissolve into me, Mr. Diamond, and it rips diamonds out of your wheel which is good if you want it to rip diamonds out of your wheel. And it's bad if you don't want it to rip diamonds out of your wheel. So that's why steel works. And that's why you can't use a diamond wheel at regular grinding speeds for cutting steel. However, at hand speeds, you can use diamond on steel because the temperatures never go high enough to cause the diamond to want to dissolve into the steel. So that's the, that's why you can still use a diamond uh, plate, a platen, like um, K-Bank was referring to, or some of these nice little diamond cards that you can carry around uh, or whatever. Um, that's why you can hand hone or hand sharpen a knife on a diamond flat. But if you try to use a diamond wheel at grinder speeds, you're going to destroy the wheel. Okay? That was a long explanation, but but I hope... I hope that it might help someone. Um, we've talked about it before, but it's worth it's worth repeating. So that's the story. Um, let's see. I've, I've hit all the topics uh, that I wanted to hit today. It's now open for your questions. Any topic, any area, we'll try to address it. And uh, Oscar says, yes, it was a wheel for tool grinding. Yeah. It, it, I think that's a relatively recent technology, the, the using... EDM on the on the wheel. It's pretty cool. It's pretty neat. It's like using all the fancy stuff. And you guys on Instagram, I don't know if you enjoyed this today. I know there were some gaps where you couldn't hear the uh, the audio that was going out, but um, uh, we may not be doing this again exactly this way. But do uh, go over to YouTube, subscribe to the channel, and and you can uh, be in on the live next week Sundays. And if you're of a mind to, you could join us on the Discord server and uh, you could be a guest or ask a question. So if any of you guys on Discord have a question, we will try to bring you in. Let's see. Um, yeah, we could bring you in and, and you can ask your question. And we'll... Uh, We'll go from there. So if we don't if we don't have any other questions come in in a few minutes, we'll wrap this wrap this up. I want to say uh, happy new year to everybody. Twenty twenty four is going to be awesome. It's uh, and the next time we're going to celebrate in this manner is seventy seventy five. So it's going to be a while. You got that right. Yeah, you got that. All right, so I see no uh, no snide remarks coming in from the Discord, and I don't see any questions coming in from 
YouTube. Oh, we have a question from YouTube. And you guys on Instagram, you get a free pass. You, you get to submit questions too. Uh, Oscar says, I have a question regarding your business. Do you do any marketing like Google ads? That's a good question. The answer is no. 100% of my marketing is is Instagram. And, and by that, I mean just my, my posts on Instagram. Um, word of mouth, which is sort of goes without saying. And the fact that I have, which way am I pointing? The fact that I have like these things on my screen that, you know, send people to the website. That's it. That's the full, the full total of my marketing. Um, and I, you gotta be careful. If you do a lot of marketing, you're going to get a lot of orders. That's, that sounds funny, right? sounds like, well, isn't, isn't that the whole point there, Spence? Uh, if, if you get more orders, oh, okay. So Oscar says, do you have any advice for somebody who's bringing out a product? Yeah, I would say, uh, ramp up slowly because you have to have enough production capability and shipping capability. They're not the same to get the product out. And if you get more orders than you can handle, you can have yourself, you know, an issue. So I would say go light on the marketing and ramp it up slowly. And then you can always add more. I can, I can write a check tomorrow and, and start running ads on Instagram and YouTube and, you know, all over the place. I don't necessarily want to because I don't have the capacity. The other way you could control that is by raising your prices. <laughs> so if you want, if you're getting inundated with orders and you don't want to increase your manufacturing capability, you raise your prices and, and that should lower your, the number of orders that you get. That sounds contra contradictory, but that's called economics. That's how you do it. So nearly 100% of my marketing is just my posts on Instagram and now these, these YouTube videos, but really this is, this is not heavy marketing of, of my product. Does that answer your question, Oscar? It's a good question. It's an excellent question. Do I have any other advice for someone bringing out a product? Um, I would say get a, get, get a, a, a small group of people to be your, your, uh, test market and, um, get them to provide you feedback. That's sort of stage one. That, that would be kind of beta testing. But the next stage is get a small number of people to buy your product. So maybe on Instagram, you, you do a few posts and you say, Hey, I've got a new product and here's my thing. And it's going to be seen by your, your followers. And then a small percentage of you know, randos, I say that with, with affection and you're going to sell a dozen of them. That's stage two, right? Uh, and then as that starts happening, you can start turning up the marketing, but you have to, you, your pipeline has to be worked out. I didn't know how to ship for a long time. And then I, my shipping got just tuned in over the course of many months. And, and now I'm very comfortable with my whole process. Shipping is going to surprise you. If I have to leave you with one thought, that's it. <laughs> so learn about shipping. Maybe I could be your tester. I'd love to be your tester. I don't know what your product is, but you know, if I can, uh, if I can use it properly, I'd be happy to. Uh, excellent questions. Um, last chance for a question. If anybody wants to sneak it in. Otherwise, we're going to start wrapping this sucker up. Uh, the current plan is uh, same bad time, same bad channel next Sunday. We'll have the PFG live. Uh, I have a couple of videos uh, in the pipeline, uh, one of them on uh, balancing. Uh, we didn't talk about balancing, which is, of course, part of mounting your wheel and all that stuff, and that was my error. But we're going to do a separate video on balancing uh, and also a separate video on the balancing stand, the BS8. A balancing stand, which is overdue. And, um, 
a couple other videos. We have the pin. We have to follow up on the pin. You guys know I was working on a little uh, part for precision paper punching equipment. That's also in the pipeline. So with that, I'm going to say thanks for being here, guys. Uh, after the video, we'll be in the Discord uh, after show uh, while I do the the editing and posting of the audio podcast. Well, this is an audio podcast also available on your favorite podcatcher. Do a search on PFG Live. CJ Stevens says, everybody have a great week. And he says, and he ri- reminds me, hit that like and subscribe button before you leave. Thank you, CJ. Um, you guys on Instagram, come on over, subscribe on the YouTube, and uh, we'll see you We'll see you over there next week. This was sort of a fun thing to do, and I'm glad we did it. I'm sorry you, you missed out on some audio. Uh, you guys in the Discord will uh, recognize you. Carl is in the Discord. Smith of All Trades. Tuck's Garage. Uh, Biloni. I love that name. Almost Machining, Unix Carbide, and DBX uh, are all on the Discord. We'll see you guys in the after show. Meanwhile, get flat, stay flat, and we'll see you next week.